0: Amen. Will you bow your heads in prayer with me this morning? God, we come before your presence and we ask that you would speak to us through your word this day. May you be glorified in all that we do. Amen. I cannot believe this weather. I feel like we had a couple of mild winters in the past couple of years. And now this winter season, it's kind of coming with the vengeance. You know these winter months can be really hard for us things are cold and cloudy this affects our mood uh, our outlook on life uh, for some of us it can lead to depression When it's cold uh, we tend to bunker down into our own little world and this can be very very difficult i began to see life uh, my own life uh, as a series of seasons that nothing is permanent. A few years ago, I was seeing a spiritual director um, uh, because I was going through a really difficult time. And uh, spiritual direction, uh, it's kind of like counseling, but the focus is not on your emotional health, but rather it's about your spiritual health. Um, And uh, as I was meeting with the spiritual director, we were having very... uh, Difficult conversation. She was asking me all kinds of questions I didn't want to answer. But one question that really took me by surprise is she said to me, where is God moving in your life? She said, where is God moving in your life? I had to answer this question with honesty and integrity. The reason I was trying to avoid this question is because I was feeling like... I, I was not feeling God in my life anymore. I was in that space. And this spiritual director pulled that question out. For me, that season was something that was really cold for me. It was very dark and I didn't feel like doing a whole lot with my spiritual life. One of the most important things that I learned from going to the spiritual direction is the director taught me about the rhythms and seasons of life. The director wanted me to know that even though I was not feeling God at that moment, that I was in a spiritual winter, if you will, that that season would come to an end. And as I began to see some of the challenges that I was facing I was facing each day, I saw it in a new light. I saw it in a new light as if it was not permanent, but it would come to an end. I began to see hope, knowing that that season, that winter will come to an end. So this morning, I want to invite you to what is the season that you are going through today? Is it a season of grief, uh, betrayal, anxiety? I just want you to be aware that this will come to an end as well. The reason for my hope uh, is because I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that our God is the creator of the universe. And he calls me beloved. That God holds all my seasons in his hands. Friends, as part of uh, this church, Mount Hope UMC, but the universal church, uh, we are entering a new season and it is called Lent. As I mentioned earlier, this Wednesday we'll be celebrating Ash Wednesday here in our sanctuary. And as we come together on Ash Wednesday, we sit here and we pause to remember that nothing is permanent in life. We leave the church with a sign of the cross on our foreheads. That's a reminder that we are made from dust, and to dust we will return. And the only thing that's permanent and forever is our hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. That the promise that we, the promise that God gives us, that we are loved by Him, and we are called to spend eternity praising and being loved by God. That is the only thing that is permanent. I want to invite you to come to the service as we start the season of Lent. Lent marks the journey where Christ turns towards uh, the cross and He's walking towards the cross. It's 40 days between Lent, between Ash Wednesday and Easter without counting the Sundays. This morning, the scriptures uh, teach us how we need to prepare for the journey that is ahead of you. As we enter the season of Lent, there are three things that the scripture teaches us here. The first one is Jesus talks to, uh, takes his disciples to pray with him. The second is disciples, especially Peter, is clueless about what is happening around him. And the third one, finally, is the realities of life. So let's see what Jesus did this morning. Scripture that was read to us uh, was from Luke 28 verse to 36. But before we get to that scripture, I want to share with you what happened a few days earlier. It comes to us from Luke chapter 9. And he said, the son of man may suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. He must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. So prior to this morning's scripture reading, Jesus predicts his death. Jesus is aware of the season that awaits him. He knows that he is going towards Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is a place where he's going to be betrayed, killed on the cross. His closest friends will deny him. And those whom he thought he could depend on will abandon him. After being aware of what lies ahead, with the journey he's about to embark, Knowing fully well what Jesus is going to undergo, we read this morning these words from Luke 92929 29. about eight days after Jesus said this: He took Peter, John, and James with him, and went up to a mountain to pray. As he was pray- praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Elijah. And Moses appeared in glorious splendor talking to Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. After eight days of having this conversation that Jesus is going to die, he takes his closest friends, most commonly known as the inner circle, Peter, James, and John. He takes them to a mountain to pray, friends. He knows a season of betrayal is ahead of him. A season of pain awaits him. He knows that and he chooses his closest friends and he goes to pray. See, there is a sense of intentionality here on Jesus' part. He chose to pray. He picked a certain place and a certain time to pray. This is not the prayer that we usually offer in a parking lot. You know, when we are driving in to Giant or anywhere you're going shopping, and we say, God, please give me a good parking spot. Right? (laughs) Because it's cold outside. I don't want to (laughs) go. Please, God, please. (laughs) Give me clothes. And God answers that prayer, and you say, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. God is good. But friends, where is the intentionality? Did we take time to seek the face of God? Jesus is intentional here. I feel like so much of our spiritual life can sometimes be just happenstance. We just do things, say a prayer here, read a Bible reading there, and we move on. But Jesus here does something different. He seeks the face of God. This is what happens when Jesus seeks God's face. His face has changed. He's transformed. While he's transformed Elijah, Moses appear to him. And they are considered to be two of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament. One represents the law, the other the prophets. They both reveal and converse about the journey ahead or the season that is ahead. One could argue that the image of Moses is, represents the law and the image of Elijah represents a prophet, and in doing so, Jesus here is fulfilling both the Old Testament scriptures. We read in verse 31, they talked about his departure. The word departure in Greek here means Exodus. In working to the first century reader, the memory of what happened right before the Exodus event of the Hebrew people from Egypt, the Passover meal. Later, we would interpret that Jesus himself was the Paschal Lamb so that death could pass over our lives. Friends, when we intentionally seek God's face, God begins to minister to us and reveal to us. God begins to equip us for the season that we are entering. In order for Jesus to be that Paschal Lamb, he had to seek God's face. See, God has a purpose and a plan for our lives to be fulfilled in the season that's ahead of us. And we need to seek God so that we can be ready to enter that season. You and I need to set aside time and space in order to seek God's presence. Even better, if you can do this with your friends. Now, let's consider the next lesson about Peter. Yes, Peter, I love this disciple. I would argue he is one of my favorite disciples. He is good, but not really. I mean, he's wonderful, but then again, he's Peter. See, Peter juxtaposes two very important things. On the one hand, he is so such a wonderful saint, at the same time, he's completely broken and human. Whether you agree with this theology um, that the Catholic Church set forth uh, or not, they see Peter as the architect um, of the church. The reason for that is what we read in Luke 9.18. And this is what we read. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowd say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, and still others, the one of the prophets so long ago has come back to life. But what about you? He asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah. What is exemplary about Peter's remark is all through the Gospel of Luke. Whenever people have encountered Jesus, they knew that Jesus was special. They knew that Jesus was different. They knew that Jesus was a man of God. Some call him a prophet. But Peter dis- does something that is absolutely incredible. He connects all the dots. Jesus, he, Peter listens to Jesus' teaching and actions. He knows that a prophet cannot forgive sins. He understands that when Jesus said declares that he is the Lord of the Sabbath, Peter understood that to be that Jesus is God because he is the one who created the Sabbath. And he declares, you are the Messiah. You will be the one who will deliver us from our exodus. For those of us who are enslaved right now, Peter is looking to Jesus and saying, you will deliver us. Only Peter is able to make this claim and no one else. And yet we found Peter to be doing something crazy here. Now, as I said, uh, as the scriptures were read earlier, Peter is on the mountaintop with Jesus. He's in a fog, not really awake, but he just blurs things out as Peter always does. Should we build something here is what he's asking Jesus So you can see Jesus' face being transformed and how Moses and Elijah are both on the mountaintop talking to Jesus. The glory of God is in their midst. And Peter blurts out, shall we build three shelters here? See, Peter is absolutely clueless. God is doing something amazing, and Peter completely misses the point. Yes, there are things that we get right, but there might be things like Peter, we completely miss the point. Pause for a second with me. Jesus has transformed. His appearance has changed as bright as a flash of lightning. The two of the greatest figures of the Old Testament are with Jesus. Peter is witnessing this event. He's seeing God's work unfold before him, before his own eyes. And he completely misses the point. This morning, I want to pause and ask ourselves this question. Is God doing something amazing in your life right now? Are you witnessing God's glory? And are you focused on something else? Where is God moving in your life? Do you need to pause and pay attention to God's movement in your life? See, sometimes we can be in those seasons where we are absolutely clueless for what God is doing amongst us. We can lose our focus. This morning, I want to invite you to focus back on God and see what God is doing in your own lives right before you at this moment. And finally, I want to talk about the last portion of the scriptures that was read today about the reality of life. We read the story of a boy who was possessed by a demon. His father is in anguish for the sake of the child. He's worried about him. He's desperate for the boy to be cured. He takes the boy to his disciples and they pray over him. Nothing happens. Then they pray a little bit more, but no answer. The boy is still the same until Jesus comes and heals him. See, one of the things that I want us to be aware of, even as we are seeking God's face, intentionally praying, one of the things that I want us to be aware of is life happens all around us. Sometimes our prayers are not answered. There's more work to be done. And that is the reality of life. We're going to find ourselves in situations where we cannot fix things. That is the reality that we face today. The promise of the hope that we rely on is Jesus is going to provide for us. Jesus has the power to conquer the demons we cannot conquer. It is only Jesus. It is ultimately Jesus who fixes things. Friends, it is my prayer as we enter the season of Lent, a time that we can set apart to seek God's presence, that we will commit to being part of a Lenten Bible study. We're going to offer uh, several Bible studies here in uh, in in the coming weeks just like the way we did during the Advent season. And I would urge you that you would set aside time and space to see God's presence with your friends. And I want you to be aware of what God is doing in your life at this moment. Not be focused on something else like the way Peter did. That you would focus on what God is doing in your life right this moment. That you would be aware of God's movements and what God is revealing to you. And finally, that we live with the reality that sometimes when we pray, our prayers are not answered. But we continue to hope in the name of Jesus Christ that he will deliver us. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the scriptures that were before us. Help us to see you. you. Help us, O oh Lord. Quiet our souls and our minds so that we can find your movements in our lives. And help us to fully rely on you. In your name we pray. Amen.